Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by Emla Anesthetic Patches and Creams. When your little one needs to be brave, Emla is there to ease the pain of vaccinations and blood tests. And of course, use only as directed. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Hello Chris, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Chris has had over 30 years experience helping families across Australia, whether it is bringing a newborn home and trying to work things out there or if you have a toddler and a newborn or just a toddler, I have not heard a question that Chris can't answer. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Um, If you've got a question for Chris, now is your time to ask it. You can either call us on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO, that's 1-800-543-772, or you can email us, it's conversation at kindling.com.au, and the other option is to jump onto onto Facebook, search for Kindling, and we have a live video there so you can ask your question in a comment below the video. So many ways to ask (laughs) the questions. Chris is here to help you. Um, First up, we have uh, Fiona with a 12-month-old. Fiona's on the phone. Hi, Fiona. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you, ladies? Good, Good, thanks. Good, thank you. Tell us what's going on. Sure. So um, I have a little 12-month-old and he's awesome, but I'm, I think I'm more the one that's panicking. I have a big party, so he's christening and party coming up. Sure. And I just want to know how, how I can tweak, you know, it's going to be one of those days where, yeah, where everything where goes out the window. Everything's going to go out the window and I think I'm going to stress more than he is. Yep. So I'm just wondering how can, I, how can you help me ease that, Chris? Okay, I can do that for you. So what time Thank does he you. now sleep for you? So he sleeps, <laughs> he goes to bed... Um, down in the morning um, at nine nine thirty. Yes, and wakes up at between ten thirty and eleven. Yes, um, and then so that's when our, our, our ceremony is at eleven. So it's going to be yep. like right, right there, yep. um, and then goes back down anywhere between two and two thirty for like you know a two and a half or okay. two hour nap. Yeah, yep. and are you doing a reception for the christening? Yeah, so it's kind of an all. So All day like event. Morning. Yeah, so from morning, so from 11 till probably 4-ish. Okay, so what you yes. want to do on this day is make sure yes. he gets that first sleep in, in the day yes. and then you're going to wing it for the rest of the day. So, okay. so I think it's important that he gets about an hour and a half of sleep before yes. you leave for the ceremony. So do you have mm-hmm. to leave around 10.30? I could probably leave, yeah, probably around 10.30, quarter to 11. Oh, perfect. So what we want him to do is go to bed about 9. So what we might do on this one day is make sure that he is awake by about quarter to six that morning so that you know he's going to be really comfortably, not overtired, but ready for bed at nine to give you the best chance of getting an hour and a half sleep. Okay, okay, so then yep. he puts on his pretty frock and off he goes. That's it. Yep, <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> oohs and ahs. And then you yep. know at about 2 o'clock he's going to get really antsy and what you might just yep. need to do is get someone to push him in the pram for, a, a you know, 45 minutes or an hour yeah. and then you're just oh. going to put him to bed more at 6.30 that night. So I think the okay. important thing with this is to to work out a time with your partner to say this is what time we are leaving before it yep. all just goes over the edge and it all falls apart. So I would think the latest would be 4.30. 
So if you were leaving at 4.30 to give him dinner at 5 and a bath at 6, you know, you just judge him from there. If he's doing all right, let him go a little bit longer. If he's sort of imploding on himself, then put him to bed at 6.30 that night. 6.30, yeah, okay. Okay, so it's that first sleep that's really important for him to get. I thought so, yeah, okay. So and even might even wake him at 5.30 just a bit. Yeah, so that he well and truly will have that really good sleep for you and then you know you're going to only do a nap around two and then you've got to have that agreed time when you're going to leave. Sure. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. I feel a lot. I feel a lot calmer now, knowing that I have a plan in place. <laughs> There's always a plan. Just do, <laughs> do that, Fiona. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good luck. Okay. Have a good christening. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Our next question comes from Eleni. She has a two-year-old. Do you recommend giving a two-year-old any sleep-inducing medication for a trip from Australia to the USA? No. It's my stock standard answer. Um, Two-year-olds are difficult on the plane, but at least a flight to the US is uh, is fairly easy. Funny, I've just done a flight plan for someone for this very same flight. Um, But on these flights to America, about half the flight will be a night's sleep and half the flight will be a day, depending on what time you go. One of the reasons that we don't recommend you giving any drugs on the plane, um, barring the child getting sick and they're having some Panadol or something, is mainly because it can have an adverse effect on the child on the flight because the oxygen level is a little bit different to sea level. So my theory is take a very deep breath and they don't land planes because children are crying. So I think you have to go with this one. Um, And I have some very funny stories about people who don't listen to that and drug their children and then they're very drugged when they get off the plane. So the recommendation is that to think about it a little bit, think about what your child needs and the time frame. And you just have to go with it. So, Eleni, we don't we don't know when you've booked your flight. But yeah, I'm going to ask Chris: Is yeah. there much choice from if you're booking a flight from Australia to the US? There is, um, depending on where they're going in the US, because there's a big flight that goes around to Dallas, which is a 15 and a half hour flight. So, but that one leaves at the same time and arrives at the same time. You have more choice going to LA. Because mm-hmm. you have morning flights and you have afternoon flights. And what's the best time to go with a two-year-old? Going to LA, I would do, say, a midday flight or a morning, like 11 or 12, because then they're awake for six hours, then they're asleep for six hours, and that flight gets in in the morning. So at least they've had a chunk of sleep. They've hit America, you know, at, in, at 7 o'clock, and the child's had some sleep behind them. So I think the really hard one is if it left at night and arrives 12 12 hours later, but it's not morning, it's lunchtime or afternoon. Because if they slept the whole flight, then they'll be awake for the next 10 hours, which would put them into jet lag. And you, I know you've given us some advice before on Kindling Conversation about things to do, like things to take with you to entertain a two-year-old. What are your... You've got some good So the first thing I do is I download all their favourite things onto an iPad and before you get on the flight, I get them used to the headphones. So I sit them down for a little bit and, you know, for 10 minutes and 15 minutes, put the headphones on them. And then I pick things like the little boxes of Lego, the little tiny um, Play-Doh, you know, those really tiny ones. And if it's a girl, there's some really good um, girly nail polish that peels off. So I Ah. let them paint my whole hand, it ends up being, (laughs) but I paint it and then I just wait and I peel it off and then I start all over again. I reckon boys would like that too. (laughs) Hours of entertainment and there's nothing like a sticky book, you know, sticker book 
to go everywhere. I should give you some more details. Thanks, yeah. Eleni, for putting that in. It's uh, it's booked for June 2019 from Sydney to LA and then on to Chicago. Yeah, so the Sydney to LA should be fine. It's that delay into Chicago uh, that sometimes can muck them up. But if you've picked, we don't know what time frame you've picked, but if you've picked um, that sort of lunchtime one, then you should be fine because I'll arrive in LA in the morning. There'll be a little bit of a time lay, you know, and then they'll fly on to Chicago, which is about a four-hour flight. And um, usually with that, um, it sort of runs in the child's day, so to speak. So by the time you get to Chicago, my biggest tip is that whatever time you arrive at your destination, you know, after you've got off the plane and got in the car and driven for an hour, the child needs to think that's what time it is in their day. So if you arrive at midday in Chicago and then you get to your mother's place at two in the afternoon, the child needs to think it's two o'clock in the afternoon in the sequence of the day. So that, you know, at two o'clock, at five o'clock they have dinner, at six o'clock they have a bath and at seven o'clock they go to bed. You try and get them back into that rhythm really quickly. And also the more daylight they have, the better it is. It decreases the jet lag. So if they if you get home at two o'clock, I'd get her out playing it for a couple of hours and get that serotonin and melatonin mixed the right way so that they can sleep better. So... And finally, I know I'm probably going on too long, but I know that Chris has lots yeah. of advice and experience with traveling. Um, what do you recommend with food for a two-year-old on a trip like that? So usually I do book the food, the child's food, like on the flight, but I always am a bit wary that they're not going to eat anything on that flight. So I always pack one sandwich that I know they'll eat and one little box of little snacks. So not lots of food because you have to throw it out at the other end. So I usually pack one sandwich and I pack one small um, snack box but I don't actually use it. I try and feed them off the airline food if I can. And lots of airlines these days have the menu set out. When you go onto the onto the website, you can download the children's website uh, children's menu and you can check what they're going to eat on it. But no doubt they won't eat it. <laughs> it also comes at the wrong time. Like it never comes yeah. in the right time frame. So one sandwich, one snack box and you should be okay. All right, Eleni. Well, good luck with that. I hope it all works well. And it's not until June 2019. Yeah, so call us. Send us back the times yeah. and we'll work it out for you. Yeah. Uh, Chris will work it out for yes. you. I've got no idea. <laughs> Uh, this question comes from Cassie, who has a three-week-old. Um, I've been taught mixed opinions when it comes to day naps. Should I put him outside with us where there's noise and it's light or in a dark, quiet room? This is a really good question, Cassie, because I think this is where I see lots of stumbling with the baby sleep. So up until he's three weeks old, he usually can sleep anywhere and everywhere. So he can be in the pram, in the lounge room, he can be in a bedroom, you know, you can go for a walk. But from three weeks, you'll notice that he's much more alert and aware and the noise and the light will start to stimulate him. So my advice to parents usually at this stage is at least two sleeps in the day, in you know, from day in our daylight, that he's in a calm, cool, quiet environment that has dim lighting around him. And the other two are sort of a mixed. If you want to go for a walk or... You know, he's a little unsettled and you want to keep him with you. So two in a quite calm, cool environment and two might be, you know, out and about with everybody. So get that mix going right. If you left him in the lounge room with all the noise, he'll start to shorten his sleep because it'll start to disturb his sleep pattern. So two in a quiet environment, any two in the day and two when you're out and about and you should be okay. 
Good luck, Cassie. Thank you for the question. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. I'm Siobhan Hunt. And here on Helpline, Chris takes your questions about everything from settling and weaning to help with travel and routine. We just had a question about yeah. travel. It's one of Chris's many areas of expertise. So I encourage you to ask her yeah. questions, um, especially if you can grab, jump on the phone and call us on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO because that gives Chris more um, information, really, to help you. But we also will be able to answer Chris will be able to answer your questions um, if you email us conversation at kindling.com.au or if you jump on Facebook we're going live right now and you can pop your question underneath the video you're listening to Kindling conversation Our next one comes from Mel. I'm the mother of a 12-week-old boy. He wakes every two to three hours through the night to breastfeed. He only takes one breast per feed as he falls asleep after about five to ten minutes, though he drains the breast well. He only has short sleeps through the day, one to two hours. He wakes and I try to resettle him, but he's wide awake. What can I do to get him to sleep longer through the night? Okay, Mel, so this we do see a lot, and it's a good question because it makes people who are listening have a rethink about what might be going on for them. So the, you've got two problems going on here. One is the snacking that he does at night, which means he wakes more frequently at night, and the other one is he's starting to reduce his day sleep. So at 12 weeks, we usually see babies waking up around the 45-minute cycle, and we've got to think about resettling them and how we might resettle them. So I usually pick a morning sleep and an afternoon sleep to resettle them. This takes time and patience. It can take them up to a month to learn it. So try and fit it in with what you're doing in the day, but one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So that'll get him hopefully extending some sleep for you in the morning, uh, sorry, in the day. The problem at night is very different. Um, he's sort of taught himself or between the two of you, you've taught yourself to just have a little feed and go back to sleep again. So with any change we make, it takes about three to five days. This is the problem that I would fix first because he might sleep better for you in the day if he's sleeping better at night. So we need him to take both breasts per feed overnight to get him to extend his sleep. So even though he drains it in five or 10 minutes, what I would do is change his nappy, wake him up and offer him the other side. But I'd start the process from the evening feed where I do one one side of the breast, you know, when you're feeding in between 6 and 7.30 at night, then give him a bath and then offer him the second side. That should extend him from that point. So he might go four hours or five hours. And then from there, he'll be more willing to take both sides. So we need him to take both sides with each feed. And that's going to take you a few days. So I would do that first. And then I would concentrate on his sleep in the day because that is a long-term thing that you'll be doing over the next month or so. All right, Mel, thank you so much for that question. Um, Eleni has asked if Chris has written a book. Eleni, yes, she has. <laughs> I have. Uh, I'm not sure how much travel stuff is in there. No, there's a whole section on travel. There is. So it'll called, give you the pointers for travel. And it's called Bringing Baby Home. That's right. Chris yes. Yeah. And it's published by... Forgotten. You'll find it anyway. <laughs> Alan and Unwin. No. 
No? No, no, no. Pam McMillan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. We're, on, we're, we're on right on here. top of that. And if you Google Chris Minogue, bringing baby home, you'll find it. You yeah. will be able to and buy it And it does online. have a travel section in it for you. Yes. Brilliant. Okay, we have a question from Joanna. Yep. She has a 17-month-old son. Yep. We had to move our son into a toddler bed before he was one years old because he could climb up out of the cot and throw himself out. That is terrifying. Um, we put the toddler bed at the end of our bed so we could monitor him, but he's now 17 months and the bed is still there. Yeah. Most nights he crawls off into bed with us. How do we go about moving him into his own room? Okay, so we see this also. We see this um, sort of a lot. He'd be very young. So if, if he was throwing himself out of a cot at one, we would assume he would throw himself out of a bed at one. So the problem is still exactly the same. But that is the problem because he's very young to be in a bed. Um, uh, So firstly, he threw himself out of the cot or attempted to throw himself out of the cot. We see this a lot if they're not wearing a sleeping bag because when they're wearing a sleeping bag, they can't get their leg up and over to get over the cot. Um, But some very smart little monkeys can pivot on the top rail and swing themselves around and slide down the cot. So Mm. they pivot and turn and go down. And all we do is pick them up and put them back in the cot. We don't put them in a bed because they're a bit young for the concept of staying in the bed. And usually they just get off the bed and then they end up in your bed. So that's sort of where you started. And he's still a little bit young for the concept of staying in a bed on his own. So this one you need to probably decide do you want him in your room or in another room. If you're happy to have him in your room, then I think you're going to put him to bed in his bed. And I think you have to accept that he's going to end up in your bed unless you continuously put him back into his bed. If you want to put him in his room in a bed, I would make the room quite safe. So take bookshelves out because obviously he's a climber. So take bookshelves out, make sure everything's quite stable. And I'd put a gate on the door as if the room was the cot. And then you could put him in his bed and then when he gets up and stands at the gate and calls out for you, you can just walk him back to his bed again and get him to stay in the bed. So that might be a better way of at least getting him to recognise that he's going to sleep in his bed as opposed to your bed. Um, But if you keep him in your room, he will end up in your bed because he's just, the concept of him staying in a bed is a very big message for a 17-month-old because they're usually in their cot till they're about two, two and a half, a good two and a half. So So I think she's got either or choice. So if Joanna moves him into the bedroom and treats it like the bedroom's the the cot cot. in a way, um, does she do it straight away? Is there any way to do it gradually? And how long should she expect it to take for him to get used to that? We'd have space. to do, I think we'd have to do it straight away. I don't think you could do half and half because I think it'd confuse him if he had his day sleeps in one room and a, a night sleep in the other. I think he would just carry on until he got back to that bedroom. So I think what I would try and do is make his room inviting. So I might take the mattress of the bed and put it on the floor so he hasn't got far to roll. Um, so he's not rolling out of a big bed. Um, and then I would do the same thing that you do to put him to bed. I would do in his room. And if he calls out and comes to the door, then I'd go into his room, take him by the hand and put him back down. I think this is something that you just have to do in Fight one go. And I think it would take you a good week at least for him to accept it. 
Okay. okay. So there's a bit of missing message like how does he go to sleep and how often does he get in your bed and all those sorts of things that would help define how we did it. But I have a feeling I'd make his room into a big cot, a and big four-walled cot. I Now my youngest is four and a half, so I can't yeah. quite remember having a 17-month-old. How do you make a room safe? No, inviting for a 17-month-old. Oh, okay. What sort of things so could she do to... I usually... Um, so you take out all the dangerous things, and bookshelves are probably his dangerous thing. And um, the other thing they climb on is a change table. So I take that out. And then I put his bed down. I might put some soft pillows. Like if he's into, I don't know, cars, I might put some car pillows there. I might put a small soft seat. You know how you can get those mm-hmm. children's seats um, in there. And then I might put some, if he was into diggers, I'd put some diggers on the wall. So I'd just make it more inviting for him to go into that room as opposed to knowing to go that way so into his, mummy's room. his space. Yeah, it's his space. Okay. It's soft. It's soft furnishings. And, you know, we go in there to read our stories in the day. Might even do a little bit of playing there in the day. Um, but, yeah, I just try and make it more inviting for him to go into that into that space as opposed to your bedroom. All right. Well, good yeah. luck with that, Joanna. Um, and, again, get back in touch if you yeah. try it and it's not working and you want to ask Chris some more questions. This one comes from Nicole. I have a four-week-old and he won't sleep during the day unless he's being held or in our bed with us during the night. I am loving the cuddles and he does get a couple of hours if I wear him, which helps. But do you have any advice on how to transition him to his bassinet? Okay, so one of two things happening here, Nicole. So if it's just about you cuddling him and him getting used to all that to transfer that is when you put him into his bassinet and tuck him in and it's important to tuck him in because that gives him the sense that he's still being held I'd put my hands on him so he felt a bit of pressure as if you were being held and I'd just gently rock him and usually just by doing a body rock he'll calm down he'll calm down if he gets too worked up give pick him up give him a cuddle and then put him back down again if he can sleep in a bed with you and if he can sleep in your arms with you he can sleep in his bed on his own Okay, so that's where we would start is by trying to mimic what we have been doing, such as rocking, patting, cuddling, and mimic it into his bed and getting him to be able to do it. At four weeks, normally babies can do it. So this is probably about a new baby, understanding new baby. They are very cuddly and snuggly, and it's about time that we start, you know, this is where you're going to sleep, unless you're quite happy to sleep with him. The other thing that might be happening is just check your feeding because if he's not feeding very effectively or efficiently, he might be waking up multiple times and that's why you can't get him in the bassinet. So if you hold him and rock him and pat him, you can get him off to sleep. But if you put him down, you can't. So check your feeding is efficient and effective. Um, And there's a couple of different ways of doing that. And maybe not just by weight either because people go, oh, he's put on a lot of weight. Yes, but he might be feeding every two hours. You know, he might be feeding 10 to 12 times in 24 hours. So we want it a little bit more efficient and a little bit more effective. So first work out whether you think it's just a behavioural thing, so then mimic the same thing in his bed, or whether it could be coming from a different place such as his feeding. And if so, having someone to check that feeding for you might help. 
Thank you for the question, Nicole. Hope that helps. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. Chris comes to us every week on a Monday to listen to your questions and to give advice, whether it's on a baby, toddler, small child, combination of all of those things. <laughs> if you're listening in live, you can call in and ask your question on one eight hundred Kids Radio. That's one eight hundred five four three double seven two, or you can email us at conversation at kindling This question comes from Anna. I'm due in early December and am really nervous. My partner has been great, but I'm starting to get really scared. What are the main things I need to know when we come home from the hospital? Am I ever going to sleep again? (laughs) Yes, you will. I feel like every time I ask someone, they just look at me with heaps of pity and say things like, it will be awful, but you'll be all right. Oh, what a terrible thing to say. (laughs) And it just makes me more anxious. No wonder, Anna. Oh, Anna. (laughs) You poor thing. I want to give you a hug. Anna, it's not that bad. (laughs) I think the best advice is that it's really easy in this generation to get overwhelmed with information. You can access books, you can talk to different people, you can look up in Google and it all becomes overwhelming. Whereas if we keep this really basic for you, Anna, and you get to know that little baby in your family, you will do beautifully. And I don't think we give mothers the message that they need to be kind to themselves when they bring a new baby home. They need to let go of what people are telling them and stick with some really basic information and get good at the basics. So if we're getting overwhelmed, it's going to be overwhelming. So little babies, the take-home message with these little babies, just in the first few weeks of taking them home, don't worry about what's going to happen down the track. Just in that first three weeks, they're led by their feeding. So they feed often and frequently, and it takes about an hour. So they could feed anywhere from two and a half hours to four hours from the beginning of the previous feed. It's going to take about an hour to do. They then should sleep for about an hour and a half to three hours. So we've got these little cycles that are going to keep tipping around the clock. And you need support to be able to do that. Your job is to feed that little baby and cuddle that little baby and be with them. So if your world's telling you you have to be at mother's group and you have to be down the street and you have to look good and you have to try and get the bugaboo pram to stay upright with all its bits and pieces, it's going to become overwhelming. So take those very early weeks and centre it back to yourself. Keep it quiet. Go for a walk when you feel ready for going for a walk and get to know that little baby. So push everyone out. Pick that source that you trust and then go with them, okay? Keep it really simple and you'll do marvellously. And the other take-home message, in the day when the baby has a sleep, have a sleep with them. And one of the pieces of advice I heard from the Parents Village who support parents when they become take home a new baby was um, one of them started practising napping in her maternity leave. So she yeah, said sometimes totally it's agree. hard to sleep during the day. So if, um, Anna, you go on maternity leave, if you can start trying to sleep during the day, yeah. then it can get you more accustomed Ready. to sleep during the day mm. when your baby comes. Um, and, it, I mean, look, I read that and I, my heart, I just... Oh, so do I. Because I felt the same way. I was terrified when I was having my baby. But that's because people are... There's too much information. If we mm. simplify it... 
you know, if I if I went to your workplace, you wouldn't just throw me into the workplace and say you should know how to do it. And I think if we can keep the information simple and you can give in to the, what that baby needs, you actually do really well. Surrender is a good word yeah, for this time of your life. Yeah, give up to it. And, you know, don't get caught in, in everybody's hype about it. Just, yeah. you know, that's your little baby in your family. And, and get they a trusted source of information yes. and go with it. And what they haven't told you about is the hormones that get released when you breastfeed, yeah. which helps you get up to your baby. And the feeling you get first time you hold your baby. Yeah. No one talks about that enough like that is amazing and you're going to be in your little love bubble bubble and Mm. keep things simple and you are going to be just fine yeah You'll, you'll be okay. Right block them when, when they come. Block it out, Anna. <laughs> and Call enjoy us. your baby. Yeah, let us know how you go, get let on. Let everybody else do everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Except your baby. This is Kindling Help Live with Mothercraft <laughs> Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. We do have time for one more question, but you can always email us during the week at conversation at kindling.com.au um, for the next Helpline with Chris next Monday. This one comes from Claire. My son is nearly four and he's talking back loads and saying... No, he isn't listening at home. He also struggles socially with others. He's an only child, but um, goes to family daycare and play group, but pushes kids if they get in his space and gets aggressive if they interrupt his play. But at the same time, he loves his friends, but sometimes a bit too much and doesn't know when or how to give personal <laughs> to pull space. Back. Is this normal? Yes. So lots lots of children around for they don't know whether they're the big person or the little person. They're going through lots of changes. Um, the first thing I do is um, talk to the family daycare and see if they get lots of that behaviour from him. So if it's more the behaviour you see from him, but in his social world, he's actually coping really fine, then I think this is just a bit of four-year-old push and shove and testing boundaries um, with their parents. So what children tend to do is they act out for their parents because that's a safe environment but when they go out in their social world they can do it so at daycare he doesn't really push very much and he follows the rules and he uses the right language and they call him delightful and you think does that child live with us so at home he should push those boundaries because he's looking for you to give him that regulation so it sounds the things that he's doing sound very normal for a four-year-old. The only thing that's a little bit different is he's struggling socially. So the daycare, check with the daycare and make sure that that he's coping okay with that because you might need a little bit more help with that. But otherwise what he's doing is, um, is to a degree normal and then you've got to set him up. So if you're going to go to play in the playground with a couple of friends, on the way there I talk about what I'm looking for. So remember, we're going to play with Jack today. We're not going to try and push him. If you need mummy's help, come and get mummy. And then if you see it exploding a little bit, just step in and pull him away a little bit and re-regulate him and then bring him back into the play. So that's a really simple technique of trying to work out how he fits in there socially. He's going to repeat the word no to you because usually we ask them closed sentences. Do you want lunch? No. Do you want to go to the bath? No. So if you word it differently, 
where it's more open-ended and it's more conversational, you probably get a different reaction from him. So it's there's a lot going on with four-year-olds, um, but it certainly sounds quite normal to a four-year-old and the mother of a four-year-old. Mm, Four-and-a-half-year-old. Six months makes a huge difference. It does. <laughs> makes a huge difference in maturity. It does. But if I, if you want more information, I'd love to recommend Maggie Dent. We yes, love she's Maggie's brilliant. Work. If you look for her website, I think it's uh, just maggiedent.com.au, yeah. yep. she has stacks of blogs, articles, and I'd be very surprised if this exact um, issue isn't, isn't on, on her it. website. Yeah. So um, I definitely encourage you to look that up. But yeah. yes, my, my son's not only uh, can be a bit like... yeah. Difficult they're to deal of, with. He's a bit and Sometimes too. they're a bit <laughs> overzealous, aren't they? Yeah, they're they sort can. of trying to get in there and they yeah. haven't worked out. They've got to pull back a bit. You know, they're learning so many complex things in this age group, especially mm. around play, play and sociability. It can mm. be a real struggle for parents, especially if he's your first child. You haven't it, done it before. And it says he's an only child, but it does sound clear that you're giving him the opportunities to yeah. socialise. So I... I doubt that that's the reason why he's struggling. No, I don't think it's that either. I wouldn't worry about that. But that's my uh, unexpert, non-expert opinion. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, thank you for your question, Claire. Please do look up Maggie Dent and I hope that helps anyway. Um, And Chris, thank you so much for coming in. It's a pleasure. Thanks to everyone who wrote and um, asked their questions. If we didn't get to your questions, you can always find Chris's advice and helpful tips for any tricky situations on our website. Just go to kindling.com.au and look for Kindling Helpline. Um, you can get in touch as well during the week by emailing us at conversation at kindling.com.au. Kindling Helpline was brought to you by Emla Anesthetic Patches and Creams. When your little one needs to be brave, Emla is there to help ease the pain of vaccinations and blood tests. And of course, use only as directed. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.